Welcome to another episode of Ed Luminaries with Alejandra Zertuche, CEO of Enflux, who brings you powerful educator perspectives hailing from all walks of life. Get inspired and obtain great takeaways that you can apply to help set your students up for success. Sometimes all it takes is to hear how innovative educators approach similar problems and overcome obstacles to support breakthrough academic success. Hey everyone, thank you for joining us today. I'm Alejandra Sertuche and you're listening to the Ed Luminaries podcast, where we talk with educational leaders to find out how they're thinking and working creatively to drive student success. In today's episode, Lessons Learned, I want to share with you the key lessons learned in each of our episodes. We released the podcast in January 2021, and I have learned so much from my first 10 guests that I felt the desire to create this episode. Our first episode, The Secrets of Effective Academic Advising, was with Dr. James Colhane, who is the Assistant Dean for the Student Academic Success Program at the Notre Dame of Maryland University. For me, the key lesson learned was that academic advising and academic coaching are not the same thing. Academic coaching is more than just telling the students about their areas of opportunity or that they need to study harder or that they need to get an 80 on the upcoming exam. It's about analyzing the way they prepare for their assessment. It's about identifying methods that are not working and efficient for them to perform, to obtain knowledge and perform well in the assessments. For instance, are they reading the textbook, highlighting the textbook, going over recorded classes, reviewing the notes? We all know that it's, a, it's great to feel that satisfaction that we finished reading the textbook and we feel like because we did that activity and check it off from our uh, to-do list, therefore we're going to be ready to, to um, we learn everything, we're going to be ready for the assessment. But that, not, that might not be true. So the goal of, of, of Dr. James Colhane's method is to help the students obtain the skills necessary to learn successfully so that they can learn efficiently and not um, kind of waste their time on methods that are not helping them obtain knowledge and perform well in the assessment. Our second episode was with Dr. Megan Milcherick, Director of Assessment and Assistant Professor at Wilkes University School of Pharmacy. In this episode, we discuss what's, what you need to know to survive the self-study. They created this method because they were going to have a virtual site visit. But honestly, you can use this method for ongoing assessment and for regular in-person site visits. For me, the key lesson learned was how creating and delivering weekly video blasts of self-study information in the month leading to the virtual site visit team, increase engagement and the chances of a successful site visit. Everyone knew what was going on. This method can be implemented beyond the site visit, as I just mentioned. It was energizing to discover the best practices and secrets to a successful virtual self-study and uncover the meaning of what. As you know, when in-person meetings, preparing for the self-study takes about 18 months. But Everyone is working remotely, so how do you keep them engaged? Engagement might not be as high as usual and could delay the process. 
It is crucial to fight the out of sight, out of mind effect with innovative approaches. And Watts was the perfect approach. It reminded people that self-study is still happening and is imminent, and it provided some final refreshers on essential items and findings in the self-study. And the great thing about this is that it wasn't another email that people had to read. It was an, a video that was enthusiastic, it was energizing, and it was letting them know about everything that was going on in the self-study. Our third episode was with Jason Mobley, Educational Solutions Engineer at Zoom Video Communications. Jason and I discussed what have we learned about the rapid change to distant learning. We can all agree that we have learned a lot of things, but Jason and I focus on three, three, um, three things that we have learned. One of them is that We are expected to see or that the programs are expected to provide more high flex education in order to allow the students to learn based on their learning style. In addition to providing more online degree plans with asynchronous component. As we can see it in the workplace, people are asking to work some of the days out of the week from home. We all want to have that flexibility. We perform better and we have learned through COVID that we can perform better by working from home. The second one is that he foresees more sophisticated use of data that will enable us to accelerate the movement toward implementing growth and continuous improvement models. And the third is that faculty who wish to maintain their 20th century instructional practices will live in discomfort until they embrace the newer teaching methods that align with the newer educational landscape. And these faculty members need to know that they're not alone. We're here to help. One of the greatest things in the educational environment is that people love helping each other. So don't feel like you're alone. Please ask for help. Episode number four, easing the pain of accreditation process with Ryan Palmer principal consultant at Kennedy and Company Education Strategies. The lessons learned in this episode is that completing a self-study without ongoing and well-documented program evaluation is like running a marathon without training. It's going to be painful and someone is going to get hurt. The key to easing the pain of accreditation process is to have a systematic process in place that documents, tracks, and aligns ongoing initiatives to the accreditation standards. It's easy to say that this is what we need, but it is hard to implement a systematic process. But once again, everyone is here to help. There's a lot of people that are sharing the processes. Influx can help you with that process as well. Just let us know and we're here to help. Our fifth episode was about getting the most out of a of university strategic planning. This is a great podcast because as we all know, we put so much effort in creating the strategic planning and sometimes it ends up, and we know sometimes it's most of the time, it ends up in someone's bookshelf collecting dust. So what can, how can we activate it and get the most out of it? It was a great and enthusiastic conversation with Sarah Getch assistant provost of accreditation at Kansas City University of Medicine and Biosciences. The key takeaways from the podcast episode are that you need to set a priority to the most important aspects of your mission to ensure its success. 
Ensure the intentions and values of, a, of your strategic plan and make sure that are understood across the program. Put measurements in place to be able to demonstrate success. Measure what matters. Increase data literacy among your colleagues and the team members. Everything that is now in the strategic planning is measurable and can be trackable. So how can we help faculty increase their data literacy so they can come up with the, the good conclusions so that they can extract the data story from the analysis? Our sixth episode was with Elizabeth Hunter, program specialist at, at the Physician Assistant Program at Xavier University of Louisiana. Elizabeth and I discussed the importance of delegating administrative tasks to staff or outsourcing them so that faculty can focus on what matters most, preparing the physician assistants of the future. This would on, not only give faculty time back to interact with students, but it would also ensure that you're in compliance with accreditation and standards. Faculty love to work with students. I think we can all agree the faculty don't like to spend a lot of time on administrative, administrative tasks. But we, they also, and we all understand, that PA programs are small, and therefore we need to delegate this task. The question is, how, do we, how can we help them so that they're engaged in all the activities that are going on in the program? but that they're not spending too much time on spreadsheets and crunching numbers, but spending, spending more time on what they do best, helping the students be successful. In the seventh episode, the self-study process and accreditation with Dr. Sherry Cole, Associate Provost at Logan University, we'll learn about the biggest self-study challenges and how to overcome them. The biggest obstacles is being able to collaborate despite year-round classes, academic duties, remote education. This goes back to the previous podcast. It's a lot of activities at the same time. They're teaching, they're doing research, they're doing remote education. How can, how can they help with the self-study or how can they help with assessment activities? The second challenge is the constant struggle of putting focus on accreditation versus the immediate needs of students and faculty. The third and not the least is the difficult of discerning where the critical data is that we need for the self-study. What we keep hearing from our customers is that every time they start the self-study, they go on a treasure hunt. And we all know that that happens. So what can you do about it to overcome these challenges? One, provide the critical evidence of your strategic plan required for the self-study. Two, show the strategy to all involved in the compliance process. Three, eliminate the treasure hunt by putting data in a centralized location that the admin or provost can easily access and share with their team. Four, ask for help and find pathways for support when conducting your self-study. Great, great um, uh, key takeaways. Our eighth episode was with Dr. Michael Fulford, Director of Assessment at the University of Georgia College of Pharmacy. In this episode, we discuss the humanics approach to assessment in education after reading the Robot Proof book by Joseph Ong. I highly recommend this book. It's incredible. 
The key takeaways from the podcast episodes are that technology alone cannot help us find real meaning in our academic data. They cannot replace humans. We still need, the machine might be able to process the data, but we need to know the context. And only the people involved within the program can add that context and convert the data to information and knowledge. Two, assessment is more than just numbers. It requires good data storytelling. After you were able to add context to the information to convert it to knowledge, how do you deliver that message to the team so that they know what's happening in the program, what needs to be improved, and what's working? Three, information needs to be presented, shared, and applied in order to ignite creativity and innovation. As Michael said, assessment is more than just numbers or even qualitative or quantitative sharing stories. It's about you actually actualizing that that story for people. The part of assessment that everyone misses is closing the loop. The ninth episode was with Dr. Alex Kendall, Associate Program Director at Physician Assistant Program at Emory University. In this episode, Alex and I discuss program effectiveness and fostering program improvement. The top three recommendations to those who are, who are new to assessment and they're in charge of program effectiveness and program improvement is that you need to find a mentor who has been through the process before. Mentorship is key. Two, efficiency. Look for smart, budget-savvy ways to streamline your processes. It goes back to the common theme in the other podcasts. Find a systematic process that can help you work smarter, not harder. Three, regularity, frequency. Find a regular time during the semester where you can review the effectiveness of the process with your team and schedule that time. Make sure that it happens and that we don't keep pushing it to later because we have other things. We we, We will always have other things. As Alex said, work smarter, not harder, to improve efficiency, to have more time for teaching and curriculum development. Our 10th and our most recent episode was with Dr. Made, Program Director and Associate Professor for UTHSC Physician Assistant Program. We discussed the topics of surviving and thriving as Program Director, and oh my God, this is This academic year was the hardest for all deans, associate deans, program directors, and faculty, especially faculty that had to do their courses um, virtual and they had to spend time to redo their courses. But how do you survive and thrive as a program director? Well, key challenges that program directors face is finding faculty that fits. Recruitment and retention is difficult. Sometimes experienced educators will be wary of joining knowing the challenges of getting a new program up and running. But also, how do you find that faculty member that is passionate about education but also knows how to teach? The second one is meeting new generation of students where they they are can be difficult, especially with faculty who were thought with physical material materials that certainly teach in the digital world. And over this past year, virtual space. The pro tip is look for individuals with a passion for student advocacy 
Everything else can be taught. Look for someone that is passionate about interacting with the students and making sure they learn. And what Dr. Murray says is, I can help them and teach them how to teach. As um, Dr. Murray said, I can take anybody who is a student advocate who wants to teach and I can make them a good faculty member. I can teach them and mold them because that, that raw material is already there. Whoa, what a set of powerful episodes. I would like to thank each of you for listening to our outstanding guest. To our guests, thank you so much for sharing your stories and innovative ideas. It's amazing to see how, how we discuss different topics with, within different departments. Uh, we went from academic advising and strategic planning, assessment, accreditation, to, let, to the challenges that directors are facing. And all of these topics have different functions, but they all need systematic processes to increase collaboration and engagement while giving more time back to, to faculty and to make sure that faculty are not just doing a lot of administrative tasks. As Alex Kendall said, work smarter, not harder, to improve efficiency, to have more time for teaching and curriculum development. That's the key. Thank you for listening to today's episode, Lessons Learned. You can subscribe to our events by going to influx.com. You can also find us on LinkedIn where we post announcements about our solutions and resources like today's session. I'm Alejandra Certuche and you have been listening to Ed Luminaries. Thank you. You've just listened to Ed Luminaries, inspiring stories and ideas from educators to educators with Alejandra Zertuche. Connect with us at edluminaries.com to join the conversation and access the show notes. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts.